Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, and welcome to What in Tarnation, Target Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're recapping UNC's win over Gardner-Webb. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, did you get enough sleep after last night's late game? Somehow. I thank God that we did not try to do a pot after dark because while it sounded like something we would have to do, thankfully we made better life decisions. So I'm getting far too old for 9 o'clock tip-offs. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if it's like I'm too old for like the the strict like nine to 11 factor of it as it is the fact that like if I'm in Chapel Hill it takes until like almost 1 a.m to get home because of traffic and stuff yeah we were talking about the Ohio State game coming up in a few weeks last night and that game tips off at 9 30 on a weeknight and it's just like how do you go to those games at least last night was a Friday but right I still feel like I'm just too old to be having to be up doing things at such an hour, which sounds silly, but it was not helped by the fact that Carolina had uh, to contend with TV Teddy last night, who went on quite a stretch Mm -hmm. in the second half where it was just like, you get a foul, you get a foul. Everybody gets a foul. Everyone gets a foul. And it's just like, bruh, we we need to get out of here. It's late. Yeah. Wrap it up. It it was ridiculous. Like, there was just so many fouls. What was it, in the second half? Yeah, it was in the second half. It was, was like, jarring. I'm just like, what are we doing here? I think it was that Cole Anthony, Garrison Brooks, and who else was it? Um, maybe Keeling. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Keeling. Uh, all ended up with three fouls, right? Like in rapid succession. One of the most egregious was when Keeling went to go for a block on a three pointer, and I, from where I was sitting, and even when I saw it on the jumbotron, it didn't look like he touched him, or if he did, it, he barely touched him. They were some very soft calls. Yeah, to be honest. Uh, But now that we have gotten the complaining about the tip-off time and the officiating out of the way, on to better news. Carolina won this game 77-61. to It was was ugly at times, um, but I think that that's probably what you expect of a team that is so inexperienced still trying to get their legs under them. They're like a little baby bird that hasn't quite learned to fly yet. Yeah. but, I mean, they found a way to win. I thought the defense looked pretty good. It was just the offense that was kind of struggling. But 
Yeah, the I shots mean, just weren't falling. Yeah. And, I mean, I felt like they had good looks. It was just the ball would not go in the basket for seemingly large stretches of time. I felt like it was two to nothing for literally an hour. Yeah, and, like, the one thing that I will say about the offensive issue, the first half they didn't particularly look like they were executing plays completely correctly. And I I have no way of confirming that. Roy Williams knows more than I do, obviously. But it just seemed like there was times where either – you know, Cole Anthony would try to get into the paint and the looks weren't there or they would kick it around the perimeter. And for the most part, like like credit to Gardner Webb's defense, because honestly, I think that had something to do with it. But also, I think that some of the like actual play execution wasn't looking particularly sharp. But that didn't mean they didn't have their open looks. And when they were getting those open looks, they just they couldn't hit the they couldn't hit Lake Michigan if they threw the ball and tried to hit it so to me i think the benefit of a team that has played together a lot is that you can almost like read someone's mind and you know like if i'm here they're going to be there so i almost don't have to think about it whereas this team has still not played together in real game action that much. We just got through the third game of the season. And I think they're still trying to, like, feel each other out yeah. a little bit. And so I think at times it kind of looks like a pickup game with strangers rather than, like, a well-oiled machine. But that's kind of what the non-conference schedule is for it's to oil that machine up and get it operating at its like highest capacity before conference play starts i i understand people's concerns but i also think that it's still super early where we don't have brandon robinson right who i think contributes a lot of that experience and can be a huge factor once he's healthy. And I think he's on his way back. He was actually dressed out last night. Christian Keeling, he's still trying to learn what, by all accounts, is a very difficult system. Yeah, Roy Williams is not running what he was running at Charleston Southern. Right. And that's one of those tricky things about, like, the freelance offense. There's a lot more like it i think other schools are very good at running very set plays where it's like okay you need to like there's going to be their option there's going to be options right but also i don't know i don't know how to explain it i never know how to explain the difference between roy williams offense and the other schools but it's just trust me like it's a lot more difficult if you're coming from over from another system and that's also what made it more that much more impressive when cam johnson came in because like i feel like he did a solid job for his first year being in the system and like that's not a knock against keeling that's just goes to show how good cam actually was 
And that being said, I think it's been really impressive how quickly Cole Anthony has taken to it because 100%. he's running that. Yeah. And, you know, have there been sort of a few missteps here and there? Yeah, of course. But he's a freshman. And the fact that he's come in and sort of seamlessly been able to really be that, like, true point guard running Roy Williams' system, I've been super, super impressed with what he's been able to do. And I think he's looked comfortable more than anything. And, like, I love Kobe White to my core. Yeah. But he looked out of sorts at times at the beginning of last season when he was still trying to, like, figure out how to be the point guard in that system. I don't know if Cole Anthony just has a better poker face or what, but, like, none of that sort of, like, oh, God, this is a lot has come across to me. And I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, obviously he's one of the best players in the country, so you would expect him to be able to do that. His, I mean, to use a very cliche term, his basketball IQ is obviously very high. Yeah. But he he was given a very tough task, and he has done great so far, in my opinion. I think the one thing that shows with Cole Anthony – that is just completely different than Kobe White's career prior to the NBA is Cole Anthony, and we. This is something that I think we all have to remember: is he grew up around the NBA. His dad was in the NBA. He's probably known all kinds of NBA players growing up. He's probably gotten all kinds of advice from NBA players growing up. He's played with a bunch of NBA players before getting to college. Like, he's been around so much basketball knowledge, like elite basketball knowledge, that it, it it's something to witness when a kid like that comes into college basketball and has to – and I mean, like, everybody has a different system. Like, it – it doesn't necessarily matter that like this guy from the NBA is being like, here's how you run this play because like another coach is going to run something completely different. But I think what is impressive is like his ability to kind of soak that all in and soak it in so quickly. One of the things that Roy Williams said once was that if Cole made a mistake, he or there was just something that he wanted to recommend to him, he would tell it to him, and like two seconds later, Cole would be doing it. That's just that's rare. That is so rare because as a basketball player, sometimes you hear those things, you know you need to do those things, but it's easier said than done because... You have to break your habits. Exactly. And sometimes, and I feel like basketball is such a game to where like if you overthink, you hurt yourself. And so to find that balance between overthinking and just playing and being good at it is impressive. And... Tanya, this is one thing I wanted to mention is like he didn't have like the greatest game last night, but the kid still had 28 points. Yeah, I think that that is probably my biggest takeaway from the game was that if you just watched the game and did not keep track of how many points Cole Anthony scored, it did not seem like he had a very good game. No. Um, however, his not very good game is nearly 30 points. He is obviously not going to be happy that he had four turnovers. Um, Four personal fouls. I mean, that... Which, TV Teddy. Right. 
Um, his three-point shot was not as accurate as I feel like it was in the Notre Dame game. But, again, if you can say, like, I didn't play that well, but I still scored 28 points, that's incredible. Um, I think the downside is we kind of saw, because he had four fouls, another situation where Cole has to go to the bench and everything on the court gets a little scary. Yeah. And they're going to have to solve for that because Cole Anthony cannot play 40 minutes of every game. But they found a way to work around it. I think people see the 28 points and they're like, oh, like the team is heavily dependent on Cole Anthony scoring. And I think that there is an element of that. However, I think the bigger element is that this team depends on Cole Anthony to run their offense. Right. Because without him running the offense, there is a very obvious downtick in how fluid everything seems to flow. I would say even on the defense, because you remember that first game when he went out for the you know couple minutes that he went out, even defensively, they seem like they fell apart. And that's because Cole Anthony is an amazing defender. Yeah. Like, to say nothing of the fact that he can go out there and score 30 points, like, he is a very, very good defender. Now, what I will say about last night, though, is I feel like the defense didn't really drop off all that much when he was off the floor. Um, I think that there was enough plays on the defensive end being made, but... Yeah, like they just still need to figure out a way to find some way to keep things going when Cole's on the bench. And honestly, like maybe Brandon Robinson's that answer when he comes back. Like maybe he is that missing element to where like you kind of have to stagger their minutes a little bit to where, okay, if you're going to give Brandon Robinson some rest, you're going to pull him but you're going to keep Cole out there if you're going to give Cole some rest you're going to pull him but you're going to put B-Rock back out there like I feel like that might be the answer but it's really hard to say because well we need to see B-Rock play more so um I thought another not great strategy that Gardner Webb had was that uh toward the end of the game they just started fouling Cole and um He was 11 for 13 from the free throw line. The team as a whole has struggled with free throws uh, to this point. I think that they've all said like they're putting up hundreds of them in a row after games to try to improve that. But Cole only missed two last night. And like I said, for a stretch there, it seemed like Gardner-Webb's defense was just – I mean, they were trying to prolong the game. I get that. But they kept fouling Cole Anthony, and that wasn't really working for them. I love the fact that on the two that he missed, he was, he was so, so mad. mad. And uh, Justin Pierce also, when he missed, um, he missed a free throw. He was just like visibly like angry at himself, and I, I think that goes to show that they take it seriously. They're trying to correct it. Are they going to be perfect? No, but I, I, I sort of like that fire. That's like I can't even miss one because that's annoying. Yeah. The other things that stand out to me, um, Leaky Black had six assists. 
And Garrison Brooks had five assists. <laughs> right? My guy. <laughs> like He had a five five and five game. Granted he had six points, but like what? <laughs> I great job, man. Like yeah. that was really <laughs> I I feel like Garrison Brooks is kind of like flying under the radar a little bit, and I know that he is sort of like the the constant on the team, but he he doesn't have the same fanfare that Cole Anthony or even Baycott does. Yeah. But, I mean, he is quietly putting together, maybe not quietly to other people, but I feel like it's kind of quiet, um, a really, really good season so far. And, I mean, Baycott had his first uh, career double-double. He had 12 points and 11 rebounds. Yeah. My only knock on Brooks is I'd like to see him be more offensively aggressive, like, he only took three shots the entire game, but he's doing literally everything else. And so that's still a huge positive for the team. And and he's so good defensively. So good defensively, absolutely. So, I mean, like, it, even if he doesn't put up a bunch of points, like, he got to help us if – no, I'm not even going to say it. Let's just say that he is very crucial. We're not putting bad energy <laughs> out not. into the universe. Nope, I'm done with no. And I'm usually the one to do it. I'm done doing that. But no, like he is very important. And I, like I said, I just hope that he's able to get some more touches in the paint. I think him and Baycott could be more aggressive and like, hey, they like, need to use their size to their advantage more. Yeah. And I think that that's something that will come. Uh, but, you know, against these non-conference teams that you're, like, easily bigger than, you can work them a little bit. Yeah. Got to work them a little bit. Well, and going back to what you were saying about knowing what your teammates are going to do, I think that might be part of it as well because I was watching the pain a little too closely last night, and there was times where Brooks would kind of get in front of his man for, like, a split second, and I think if – Cole knew that that's what he was going to do. The ball would probably end up in his hands. But there was that one second between, hey, I'm calling from the ball for the ball and no, you don't from the defender. And I think that will smooth out over time. And a little bit of that is just needing to be more aggressive, like holding down that spot in the paint. But another part of that is, hey, like you could probably get it to him. If you anticipate that move, because, I, I mean, I was seeing it, but, you know, they'll get it figured out. I, I'm not too worried about it, but hey. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I think it was you that was telling me that someone asked Roy Williams about the lack of fast break points with Cole Anthony rebounding, and Roy did not enjoy that question at all. Well, last night, Carolina had 22 fast break points to Gardner-Webb's three. So yeah. maybe it's okay. Yeah. 
I would not ask Roy such questions. No. Because I do not need that man roasting me. <laughs> and he would. He would, like, embarrass me in front of a room full of people. And I just don't need that smoke. Yeah. I always feel like every question that I ask is a stupid question. And I, let's just say for the record, I haven't asked Roy Williams questions because I have a paranoia of asking stupid questions. And we've I do seen not some, need to become a soundbite no. for Roy Williams postgame. I don't. I won't. No. So if I think it's remotely stupid, I'm just going to zip that up and keep it to myself. Because, again, I do not need a grandfather roasting me. Right. And there are some people in that room that do not have that same fear. I mean, that's and that's fine. You don't have to have that fear. I'm just saying that, like, I I don't want to ask dumb questions. No. So anyway, fast break points. They were at least okay against Gardner Webb. Will that continue? Stay tuned, I guess. But seems like maybe Roy Williams knew what he was talking about in that instance. Yeah. I guess the other bad thing that happened was Caroline turned the ball over 16 times. Yeah. Again, I feel like that is sort of to be expected when you have a team that is not a very, like, experienced, cohesive unit yet. Um, There are miscommunications. We, We saw... A few of where it's just like, I thought you were going to zig, but you zagged. And um, I think that that is something that comes with time and experience. But I know Roy Williams is pissed about it. I'm sure the team is pissed about it. They'll have to clean that up going forward. But, I mean, it didn't cost them the game. And that's, that's the important thing. This is such a not normal situation for the team in general this year. Like, we're not used to this. There's, like, teams like Duke, teams like Kentucky, where they're used to all this turnover in the roster. They they always have to deal with a team that has basically never played together. Yeah. And so I think that's what makes this a little harder to watch than in years past when it comes to the first few games. But, like, everything is going to be fine. It's just going to take a little longer for it to be fine. And I I think we were talking in Slack last night, and we are talking about after the first half how, like, they were just a few shots away from things not looking quite as bad. So, I don't know. The three-point shooting is i think what made it look terrible way worse than it was because man alive in the first half the threes were just not i mean they were one for ten yeah um that is so bad that it almost like can't be repeated right like it's just tragic but then in the second half they were 62% from 3 right. and made 50% of their field goals. So like obviously like once they're actually hitting some of those shots things get a bit cleaner. Um I don't know how many turnovers they had in the second half, but I mean it's kind of neither here nor there. Basically the point is things will be smoothed out. Um I just hope that things get a bit more smoothed out before they get to the Bahamas because 
they're going to run into some competition there. So, I also think it was really important for Christian Keeling to see the ball go in the basket. Yes. Um, I feel like he has kind of put a lot of pressure on himself through the first couple games because the ball hasn't been going through the basket. And when you're a player who's used to scoring, I feel like that panic can start to set in to the point that you're, like, pressing a little bit. Yeah. But I was really happy to see it actually go in for him. And then I feel like once it did, he looked a lot better. So I don't know if that was sort of like a Marcus Page monkey off his back moment where it was just like, oh, my God, finally the ball went in the freaking basket. Now I can breathe. But I thought that he looked more confident and seemed to, like, amp up his aggression after that. So hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. That dude really needed something to (laughs) fall for him because it had been a struggle to this point. But I think he's too good to have that continue. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's easily something that you can say, like, he's still trying to learn what Carolina basketball is versus what he was used to basketball being so I'm not terribly concerned I know the the concern in my mentions last night was a very high level for the team overall and I I don't know if I'm just being wildly optimistic to like the point that I'll feel dumb later or not but to me it's just like this is the time when when the struggles are going to be the most apparent Roy Williams does not coach his teams to go through the non-conference slate unscathed coach Um, (laughs) that's not how Roy Williams does things so if they do drop a game that they should not have lost it's not the end of the world everything will probably be okay but I also think that we just need to keep in mind that like a lot of these guys pretty much minus Garrison Brooks are new to what they're doing. Like even Leaky Black is being asked to do things that he was not asked to do a year ago. Right. So give it some time. Maybe like dial the anxiety back a smidge or two. And I think everyone's enjoyment will increase a little bit if you look at it that way. Yeah. And I don't feel like you'll feel some type of way about it down the line because I think right now the realistic um, situation is, yeah, they're just they're still trying to work some things out. And that's okay. Like we're so used to teams coming out the gate firing on all cylinders, beating teams by 50 points that, you know, these teams that we kind of forget are schools or whatever. But like. It's not always going to be like that. Like, look around the ACC right now. It has been a struggle for many teams. Um, Duke struggled with Georgia Southern, I think it was, last night. Um, Florida State lost to, like, our Sisters of the Poor. Um, Notre Dame only beat Marshall by 10 points last night. There's been there's been some struggle. Even outside the ACC, Kentucky mm-hmm. lost to Evansville. 
Right. Evansville. Which, yeah, I feel like basketball has just been, like, abnormally drunk early yeah. this season. So, it happens. I think that I, I was seeing tweets last night that were, like, comparing it to, like, the 2010 team. No. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. No. Come on. Did 2010 have one of the best freshman recruits in the country come in? No. So, yeah, like, I feel like all of that was a bit of an overreaction. But I get it. Like, people get emotional. It's fine. I understand you. However, I'm just saying that, like, give this team some time. Yeah. And I think that you will probably be happily surprised with the product that emerges in, like, January. This team's undefeated so far. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, I, I feel like that doesn't hold as much water just because it's like, well. They played Notre Dame the first The Notre game. Dame thing, yeah, for sure. Although Notre Dame has, again, they only beat Marshall by 10. Um, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, I think expecting this team to be, like, number one team in the country, undefeated, whatever, that's unrealistic. So I feel like if you if you really, like, hone in on what this team is, which is, like, probably a top 10 team. Yeah. And, and give them some time to work out all of, like, the kinks that come with just being very new to playing with each other. I think they'll be okay. I feel, I feel good about them as a whole. And if nothing else, we have Cole Anthony out there having meh games and scoring 28 points. So that's going to make up for a lot of crap. Right. I think the best way, basically my mentality with all of this is there's nobody in the country right now that particularly worries me. I think maybe Kansas looks kind of sharp, but do they kind of, they look, they've been looking better since that, like complete whatever (laughs) that was. I was trying to think of like a PG (sighs) word to describe what they did against Duke, but there really wasn't one. It was, yeah, they, a dumpster fire. <laughs> they were winning for a while. But that was only because Duke was playing terribly. Uh-huh, yeah. But Although, I mean, Duke needed, I think it was almost 30 points from Trey Jones to beat Georgia Southern. Right. So, I, College basketball's drunk. That's my point. Yeah. Louisville looks good. Yeah. Louisville yeah. looks really good. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Louisville's the one that scares if you me. you want to tell We me. nailed one. Louisville looks really good. They look really good. But we don't have to worry about that today. No. No. They. We have time to get that figured out. We don't have to. Um, what we do have time for is best worst of the game. So, Tanya, what was your best of the game? I think my best of the game was the defense just because I was pleasantly surprised by how well they played. Um, I don't know if I was underselling them or if they're overperforming or what, but I feel like through three games they've looked good and I thought that they did a pretty good job last night. 
That's a good one. Um, Mostly to avoid the obvious answer there. Because <laughs> otherwise it would just be that every time. Right. Yeah. I think I'm going to side with you and say defense for basically the same reason to avoid the uh, A. Sometimes that's what you, you know what? No, I'll I'll give like a tie between defense and Armando Baycott because yeah and like granted Roy Williams said that after the game even and I I mean I don't disagree with them it's like he didn't have a spectacular game but he he also more right out of him but he also had his first career double double so I think that was a step in the right direction I'm sure he can do better but right now I think that he deserves props for what he was able to do Baycott may be on that, like, honorary Roy Williams roast train that players get on, (laughs) like, where he's just going to – he knows that he can be hard on them because he knows they'll respond to it. He might be Meeks. That's exactly what I was thinking, where it's just like, oh, you thought you were good? Well, and Roy Williams just, like, breaks out the list of things that he thought he could have done better because he knows that he can – respond to that or like Bryce Johnson yeah like my dude spent all the time just like roasting Bryce Johnson yeah but Bryce Johnson he knew Bryce could handle it and knew that Bryce would respond to it and he did so Baycott may (laughs) may be the next um I don't know it's it's early but I could see it being something like that where he's like all right you did that congratulations do you want a ribbon you can do more yeah one of the things that you mentioned last night and I ended up reading um, before we started recording was that Baycott mentioned that Roy was getting on him for bringing the ball down when he would get it and not keeping it high. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the guy's so tall, like, y- you got to keep that ball high. Nobody's going to strip you if you have it up that high. That's like one of those like one-on-one big men type things. So, yeah, he has a little mechanical things work out, but, I mean – Mostly, I think he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple of times where I saw that he got it and he, like, put it on the floor. And it's like, bro, don't put it on the floor. No. Like, you are so tall. If you get it, just go up with it because these smaller guys are not going to be able to do anything with it. If you put it on the floor, it kind of becomes a free-for-all. Yeah. Tanya, what's your worst of the game? <sighs> the three-point shooting? I, I mean, it, it looked better. In the second half, yeah, um, it was still kind of cringy though. Um, if if I was going to say something other than that, I would probably say, I feel like it's just obvious, but like the turnovers. Again, I don't think they're a big deal in so much as I don't think that it's going to be a problem going forward. Um, I think that they are a product of a team that's still trying to gel, but they um, they are frustrating when they happen. Yeah. What do you think the worst of was? TV Teddy. <laughs> That's a good one. I was like trying to think. I don't know how I'm. High knees ref, too. <laughs> I don't even know his name. Yeah. He's almost as bad. Did you? There was one call where there was he like. an offensive foul call, and my dude acted like he was starring in this year's hottest motion picture where he was so excited he threw his arm in the other direction it didn't like fall out of the socket right so excited 
Yeah. It's like, why are you that live? You shouldn't be that live it's to like be a referee. It's like 10.45 at night. Right. Calm down. Yeah. Definitely TV Teddy and his partner. <laughs> high um, knees rough. High knees rough. <laughs> they earn worse of the game for me. How, how do you put those two on the same crew? I don't know. I hope I never see that combination. It's again. like when you see, like, Roger Ayers and Jamie Lucky. You're just like, oh, God, uh, no, why? It's like, why do y'all do this to us? We don't You can't need break this. up those monopolies of terrible refs. Right. Like, spread it out a little bit. What sucks with the referee profession is it's like, I, me personally, I don't remember names unless they've done something terrible. Yeah, that's how all officiating is, I yeah. feel like. It's just like... You only know their names when they're terrible. Unless we're talking NFL, in which case Ed Hockley's, I know him because he is the biggest. He's swole. Yeah. Looking like he's in every single Iron Man challenge that's ever existed. I mean, I watch a lot of baseball and it's the same thing. Like I don't know an like umpire's name unless he's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Well, um, should we wrap things up? I think so. All right. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you online? You can find me at THB Brandon. I apologize in advance for all of the mix of sports ramblings that you will be experiencing because Kobe White's on fire right now, and I get a little excited. I am at Tanya Bondurant and also usually at Tar Heel Blog. You can at me. I guess. <laughs> At me with your takes. I'll I'll respond to them. Will our mentions get more lit now that we are talking basketball and we are more likely to spit the hottest takes? Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for the first person who's like, Roy's lost it, which happens like every year. Yeah. I'm just waiting for that person. I will expose you. Right. We go through this all the time. It's like. Roy's lost it and wins a national championship. Roy's lost in recruiting, recruits Cole Anthony. Can we just stop? It, it, it'll happen. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for it. Just, like, put the countdown clock on because it's coming. Eventually, yeah. it's, it's probably the first time Carolina's, like, losing a game. Yeah. Like, then it'll – Roy's lost it. He can't coach anymore. It's like, okay. But, yeah, we will be back at some point to recap another game. Probably after the Elon game. Probably after the Elon game. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, you can check us out at TarHillBlog.com. Go Heels. Go Heels.